Good morning. Gosh, it feels good to say that to people. No offense, music crew. You guys have been here. You guys have been doing great. Um, But it's really hard to get used to staring at the back of a phone, (laughs) sitting on a tripod in the middle of the aisle. It's good to see uh, people that are excited to be here for God. Uh, That is one thing I've prayed through this whole deal that we might come back, a church revived, uh, back to the heart of worship, back to a church where it's full of people that came to seek God and that is their sole purpose for being here. Um, So if you would, please bow your heads with me this morning before we get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful, Lord, just for what you're doing. Uh, God, it's good to see a light in the darkness, Lord, as you're always shining. God, I pray that anytime we're surrounded by darkness, God, that we can look towards you and see that light of hope, Lord, that sometimes even just a glimmer, but Lord, knowing as we chase after you, as we follow you, God, that that light gets brighter the closer we draw to you. Lord, that the darkness just seems to slip away. So God, as this world compounds its darkness, as seems seems to get dimmer and dimmer as the days pass by, God, your light is shining brighter and brighter. God, and I am so thankful that you are unchanging. God, that you are steadfast, always forgiving, always loving. Lord, and I pray that everything that has been done so far this morning, Lord, has brought honor and glory to your name. Lord, I pray for a church body that solely seeks you and nothing else. God, I pray that through these times that we would be changed. God, that this wouldn't be a a time of dismay or disassembly, Lord, but the Spirit would grow stronger in you. Our desires would grow stronger to walk towards you, to get in your word, Lord, to talk to you, to praise you, to honor you, and glorify you. Lord, I pray that you would guard hearts and minds this morning. Lord, that you would walk us through your word according to your will and your purpose, not our own. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd be with the ones that couldn't be here. Lord, that they would feel your love and that you would lift them up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've seen several things, um, listened to several pastors through all of this, um, one of the best things that I've heard and, and kind of where I've been from the get-go um, come off a meme through Facebook, but it said, don't just go through it, grow through it. And we have an opportunity now more so than ever in our recent history to grow as a church body. This isn't a time where we just walk through the outer midst of it. We are in dead center of it in the United States of where Um, Fear has been crippling, but guess what? We don't serve a spirit of fear. We serve a God that loves us, a God that sent His Son to die for us. So we don't serve the things that the world serves. We serve a God that loves us, that gave us an escape, a way to heaven. He gave us a hope in the darkness. And as we've been apart, one of the biggest things on my heart is Maybe we've been doing it wrong this whole time. You know, throughout the Bible, God steps in and changes nations and countries and people. 
is they need to be changed. And I believe in the United States, for far too long, we've taken for granted uh, the right to assemble, the right to gather in His name, um, the freedoms that we experience. We don't experience a lot of the hardships that other countries face. We don't experience the hardships that a lot of other Christians, brothers and sisters across this globe face. I believe that we've dipped the tail of the rope in it compared to what everybody else faces. But I believe through this time, God is trying to send a wake-up call to not get comfortable, to not get complacent, to not get stuck in a rut. To desire God for all that He is, whether you are in a building or out of a building, whether you're gathering together or by yourself in a closet. See, I believe that we have prime opportunity to grow through this experience and this tragedy as many people have lost their lives. But I believe God is shaking the United States saying, you're not more powerful than I am. I am the same God that I have always been and I desire a people who desire me. See, I heard a pastor talk about the other day, you know, the pain and the suffering that happens in this world is not a result of an unloving God. It's a result of people not willing to follow God. Because if that was the case, we have doctors in the United States, there would be no sick people, right? And because we have dentists, there would be no cavities. But see, that's just not how it is. People have to actually go to these people to get healed and to get fixed. See, that's God calls us to Him, but we have to go to Him to be healed. We have to go to Him to be fixed. We have to go to Him broken, afraid, and alone, seeking His guidance and His love and His mercy and His delicate hands to gently piece us back together through the brokenness that we are. See, desiring God is one of the things that I believe that the church is missing the most. That as we have been a part, I pray that the desire to be in God's presence would grow. That's the one thing that I've been praying for this church body and churches across the country. And all the children of God who proclaim His name. That the desire inside of each of us would grow through this. That we wouldn't just go through this and take a vacation from Scripture and get out of His Word and not pray as much because we're not having to go to church as much and we don't have to put on the fake smiles and the the fake I love you's and the hugs and and we don't have to mask ourselves. But I prayed that we would truly find a sense of needing God. That our needs wouldn't be for a, a building or an assembly, but our needs would be for the grace and the mercy that God provides. See, all too often I feel that people are coming to church just because the doors are open, that they want to see other people, that they want to sing, but the true purpose is here to seek God, to honor God, to praise God, to to dig deeper in your own relationship with God. That's the purpose of the assembling with like believers such as yourself, that your minds and you bring the Spirit with you See, I believe all too often that we just show up to church expecting the church to fill us. When indeed we should start filling and allow the Spirit of God to fill us at home. And then we bring it to the church and fill the church with it. 
It's all too often, it's what can the church do for me when it seems to be what can I do for the church? What can I do to edify the body? What can I do to better worship a God who pulled me out of the wretchedness that I lived in? What can I do for a Savior who saved me? It's been a heaviness on my heart this whole time, but we need to find out that we are anchored in the truths that God gives us. See, when I started praying, when the first of this was going on and, and trying to protect my girls at the bank as we had to be open and we had to encounter the public and we had to do different things and, and my family and my children, when there was a lot of scarceness and, and people acting weird and the news media just prevailing in fear, I said, God, what is it that you want me to see in this? Because with God, there's always a purpose. See, there's a purpose for everything. God can take all the wiles and the antics of the devil and he can turn those things into good things. See, Satan thought he had conquered Jesus by having him crucified on a cross, but God said no. God said, I will take this thing, I will take this death that you so-called victory here on earth, and I will resurrect my son. That way death no longer has a hold on my children. And so God can take the worst of things and make them the best of things. So I said, God, what do you want me to see? God, what is the growth pattern here? God, what is your purpose? God, help me see what you would have for me and my family in this time of fear and despair. God, how can I be of service to you? Because I know that there's a greater purpose for this. And I prayed for days and weeks in this and, and prayed, God, show me something. Show me what you would have for me. God, help me see what you want me to see. And one day when I was kneeled down in prayer, God spoke to me and he said, I want you to see me. I don't need you to see everything that's happening in this world. I don't even need you to see my purpose that I have in this chaos. I need you to see me. That's all you need to see. If you're seeing me, if you're desiring me, then the earth has become a non-effect on you, my child. Because when you're looking at me, you don't see anything else. You don't see chaos and destruction. You don't see a disease ripping and tearing through your land. You don't see a, people taking advantage of other people. You don't see all that mess. You see me. And as a church body, I think all too often we look for these great, merciful, miraculous moments. You know, and all we need to do is seek God. We just need to see God for what He is and what He's already done for us. See, God's Word gives us the things that we need. God's Word gives us the promises and the reassurance that He is the God that He says He is. And all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, He comes through on the promises that He's made. But we've got to stay steadfast in our seeking and diligence in reading the Word of God to know these things, to find comfort and refuge in times of turmoil and chaos. Because see, if you seek comfort from the news, 
you're not going to get it. If you seek comfort from the world, you're not going to get it. You're going to get a heightened sense of anxiety and depression and fear. But none of that is of God. In Psalms 119, verse 105, it says, My word is a lamp for your feet and a light for my path. In James 1.21, it says, Turn from your wickedness towards my word and don't just be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. Psalms 119.9 says, How do the youth stay on the path of purity? By living according to my word. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says the word of a God endures forever. In Psalms 18, it says God's way is perfect. The word is flawless. In Matthew 7, 24, I'm going to read a little short story. It says, therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. See, you can spend time in the word of God without seeking God. You can spend time singing praises without seeking God. See, our true purpose is to seek after the things that God would have for us because He said those that will be saved are the ones that who do the will of the Father. Coming to church is not going to get you to heaven. Reading God's Word alone will not get you to heaven, although it tells you how to get there. But you have to truly seek and desire God. I was having a conversation with a guy in the grocery store yesterday. He's starting to preach a little bit. And he said, man, I just don't know why God chose me. He said, I'm so flawed. I've got such a broken past. I said, brother, you and me are equals. I said, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's not to our purpose or our design, but it's to God's purpose and God's design. See, we don't stand on our own strength and understanding, but we stand on every word of God. See, it says you won't live by bread alone, but on the word of God. And as I was talking to this, this gentleman, we started firing off of one another and the spirit gets flowing between two people. And that's what I'm talking about. Church is anywhere that you want to have church. And the lady from the deli came walking out and said, what are you two guys doing out here? And I said, we're having church. And she's like, can I be in your church? And I said, you absolutely can be. And she joined our conversation about how talking, how we have to stand fast on the word of God and allow him to be our strength and our witness and not ourselves. But see, when you're seeking God, He says, you'll find me. If you'll seek me, then you'll find me. So if you're not finding God, then you're not seeking Him. He says, knock on the door and I'll open it to you. But you have to knock first. And see, through this whole mess, God has showed me what the true desire for Him is. 
sound desire to stand on a stage behind a pulpit and preach the Word of God, but I desire God's will on my life. And this may last another six months, or this may last another 60 years, but guess what happens? I will always be a child of the King. Whether I'm standing here, or I'm sitting out there, or I'm panhandling on the street, I will be a child of the King because God has blessed me righteously. Because see, the things of this world, whether our new house stays or goes or, or the side-by-side we bought gets taken back and we lose everything. See, I don't lose my salvation in earthly things. Because God gave it to me. And what God gives me, the earth cannot take away. So when God says, I don't give you a spirit of fear, He means it. When He says that you can find refuge in Me, He means it. He said, don't forsake the assembling together. And for far too long we have forsaken the assembly, seeking and desiring a lot of other things besides God Himself. But I believe now we have an opportunity to to change to be changed, to allow God to change the effectual way that we do things, the way we speak to one another, the way we preach to one another, the way we read the Word of God. See, the change has to come on our side. Because eternity isn't changing. Heaven isn't changing. My hope in Christ isn't changing. The gift of salvation isn't changing. But we have to change the way we seek and desire God. Because I believe that Christ is coming back and He says I want a spotless and blemishless bride. I want to come back and receive my children. Are you awaiting that day? Are you preparing today for the second coming of Christ? When He comes back and He gathers His children? Or do you think it's far off and that you have time? See, that's what we don't know. And I fear that far too many of us are saying it's way off out there. We never know when it's going to happen. And I believe that God didn't tell us when it was going to happen because we would do what we're doing now. We would become slothful. We would become weakened. We would become desensitized. Until we were like, oh, that's next month. We've got to get around now. I've done whatever I've wanted to for the last 60 years of my life, but Christ is coming back in July, and I've got to get ready. See, He wants a people of children that are always seeking and desiring to build in Him and His mercy and His grace, knowing that they don't stand on their own strength alone, but they're on His strength and His time and His timeline. We have to take time to seize the opportunity. We have to take time to seize the opportunity that that God has given us. In John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. See, these falsified things that we want to look good on the outside. 
We want to look good. We want to look like we're raising our hands in praise. And we want to look like that we follow God because we come to church every Sunday and we're here on Wednesday night. But the desire is really not inside of us. See, we're seeking to please man versus seeking to please God. But we have an opportunity now that we've been apart to come back and create a different church. God says that if you'll turn away from your wicked ways and if you'll humble yourself before me, that the heavens will hear you and you'll hear the land and you'll heal the land. The time is now for God's children more than ever to start seeking and desiring him. I'm going to get into Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse, I'm going to start in verse 22. I know I didn't say that, but I'm going to start back in verse 22. And we're going to see what happens when we look towards Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So the sea is starting to get angry. There's starting to be a storm brewing in the ship that his disciples are in. is starting to get tossed back and forth. In verse 25, it says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. God showed me something else this morning as I was reading this scripture. And then for some reason it said, In the fourth watch of the night stuck out to me. And I thought, why is that important? Why is, why is it important that the fourth watch of the night is so important? Why is that sticking out to me this morning? And then I thought, you know, mom always told me as we were growing up that everything gets worse during the nighttime. If it's a sickness, then it gets worse during the nighttime. Your decisions get worse during the nighttime. Amen? As we go into the darkness, things become more feel, fearful, more scary. And a lot of the time, the bad gets amplified in the darkness. So I thought, if it was daytime and his disciples could see what was happening, they might be able, I don't know how far out they were, but if they were being tossed to and fro by the waves, they might be able to see land. And that might be important because that might give them a, a sense of less fear that, oh, we're right here, we can make it to shore. But it was in the darkness where they couldn't see anything. It was in the darkness where they couldn't see anything. They didn't know where they were. All they knew is that their ship was being tossed about by the waves and the winds. And then Jesus came to them, walking on the sea. In verse 26, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. I can't imagine what they were seeing. I was trying to envision this morning what they were actually seeing because we know that God is light. So if Jesus is coming, walking across the water, is He glowing? I don't know. This is just questions. This is where my mind goes, guys. It's, I try to paint vivid pictures in my mind, but I can picture that Jesus is coming across the water, that these guys are terrified, and out of the darkness comes this light and they have no clue what it is. See, the thoughts occurred to me that sometimes when we're not looking for God, we don't even know God's presence when it shows up. 
Anybody ever think about that? When you're not seeking godly answers in a situation, sometimes God is there and we don't even know it because that's not what we're looking for. I've had and held church services where all but one person was like, oh my gosh, the church service is crazy. People were getting saved and, and the Spirit of God was just rampant flowing through there. And, and then you see this one person that's just like, yeah, that was, was alright. You know, they didn't feel the Spirit, and I don't know what's in their heart. But when you got somebody that's not feeling the Spirit, or they're truly looking for God, I don't know. I'm asking you to check yourself this morning. Because when we seek God, He says, you'll find me. But when we're not looking towards God, everything looks fearful. Everything looks drab. Everything is the darkness. And even this light that appears in the darkness they had made up in their minds that it was a spirit and they cried out for fear. But what's the first thing that Jesus does? The first thing that Jesus does in in reference to their fear, it says, but straightway Jesus spoke unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were thinking. He says, nope, stop right there. You've got me. I'm here. There's no reason for you to be afraid because I'm here. That's like our kids, you know, sometimes they have bad dreams. And they come into our bedroom in the middle of the night, right? And they're scared. A lot of times crying. And they're seeking that place of comfort. They desire comfort and familiarity. And you can go back into that same room, back in that same lighting, back to where that same closet is. And you can lay down with them and they're okay. Because why? Because they feel comfort in your presence. And so when we have the presence of Jesus and the Spirit of God in our presence, we can find comfort in any situation. So the first thing Jesus did was quiet their fear. Why? Because fear has no presence or has no room in the presence of God. Because it's not of God. So the first thing Jesus does was gets rid of the spirit that was not of him. We have to remember sometimes in a healing process, we have to get rid of the spirits that are not of God. Because whether we want to admit it or not, or whether you're at in your walk with God, that there is other spirits and principalities that take place on this earth. And sometimes you have to get down on your knees and proclaim your space, this territory of God. You have to cast out the other spirits and tell them to leave so that you can get back in the presence of God. And we do that through the power of Christ our Savior. And so the first thing Jesus did when he approached them was cast out a spirit of fear because it is not of him. He cast out what was not of him and said, be of good cheer. I can imagine this as Jesus walking up and I don't know, it's just kind of funny to me that, you know, he's walking across the sea and and the storm is ravaging their ship and they're afraid that they're going to die. And at first they thought it was a spirit. And then Jesus walked up. He's like, be of good cheer. Like, what's happening? Why are you guys so afraid? Like, I don't get it. You know, just just 
yesterday you were with me and you seen the miracles of me feed the 5,000. Like, why are you afraid? I don't know. I just thought it was funny when Jesus walked up and said, be of good cheers. I be not afraid. Just like it was nothing. Because there is no spirit of fear in God's presence. So if we're in God's presence, we shouldn't have a spirit of fear with us. And in verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. In other words, Jesus, if it's you, allow me to walk on the water towards you. Why did Peter have to ask? Has anybody ever thought about that? Why did Peter ask ask Jesus to bid him to come out on the water, to walk on the water towards him? Why? Because Peter didn't have that power. Peter didn't have the power to walk on the water, but through Christ, he had the power to walk on water. And that's what we have to remember is when we're battling things. See, fear is all in this world. Fear is all in the earthly realm. But when we seek Christ and we have Christ in us, fear is not a part of us because it's not a part of Christ. So in these perilous times, instead of growing farther and farther apart in a spirit of fear, we should be drawing closer and closer and closer to God because the closer you get to the light, the better the light reflects. The better the spirit gets. But Peter had to ask it of Jesus because it wasn't Peter's power. It was Jesus' power. Through Jesus was the only way that Peter could walk on the water. That's why he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. In verse 29, and he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. At that moment in time, I have to believe that Peter no longer remembered that there was even a storm around. He was so focused on Jesus and what Jesus would say that he wasn't even remember that he was on a ship. He didn't know that there was a storm going. Why? Because he was dead centered, focused on Jesus' response. And so I ask you through this, if you're so dead focused on God's response to this situation, can you see the things that are happening around you? Because, see, we should be so zoned in on on the Spirit of God that we can't see the things that are happening around us because the things that are going on around us are not the Spirit of God. They're a spirit of fear. The news, the media, all these statistics that you're saying, you have no idea who to believe, what to believe, or where to believe it. But you have the Word of God that says it's true, says it's unchanging, and says it will always be there for you. So I get my statistics from here. My statistics say that there's a 100% chance that Jesus is coming back to get me. Amen? That's what I get excited about. Whatever happens in this country, and I was, I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't even remember who I was talking to. But I said everything that I have is a privy and a blessing of God. And he could take it away at any second. And my family would be out on the street. Because all the things that I have is just on borrowed time. Why? Because this isn't my home. This isn't where I build my fortune. I build my fortunes in heaven. I stack up my treasures where rust can't corrupt it. Right? And so everything that we have down here is borrowed, is temporary. That God has allowed us to use while we're here as we walk through a strange land being a pilgrim. That's the things that we have to remember 
you know, consider it bad luck or whatever. Some people have some hard strikes against them. But if you look at the life of Paul, man, that dude went through some stuff. He was in prison, got beaten, stoned. And he counted it all joy. He said, count it all joy. Why? Because his eyes were focused on God. In verse 29, it says, When he came and when Peter was down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He did walk on the water through the power of Christ. He was walking to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he was honed in. He was focused on Christ. Therefore, he had the power of Christ inside of him. In verse 30, it says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid in the beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. I was just telling him this morning how much I relate with Peter in the Bible as he takes these giant, great strides towards cross and then the faith. And then the next thing you know, man, he's just out there and he's lost it. Like a drunk driver going down the road can't stay in the center, right? Man, that's how I feel. Peter starts noticing the storm raging around him. He starts noticing again. I, I, I just think when he stepped out of that boat and onto the water, he was walking on the water. He had tunnel vision. And the only thing that he could see was Christ standing in front of him. And God says as we run our race, we run it towards the things that matter with purpose. And Peter was running towards Christ on that water because that's what he's seen. And then all of a sudden a clash of thunder or whatever it is snapped him out of that trance that he had in Jesus and he started noticing the winds. He started noticing the waves and he started looking at the things that were around him versus the things that were in front of him. Because he said, don't lose hope and the, the hope we have in Christ as it's laid out before you in things to come as you walk through this world as a pilgrim. Treat it as such a temporal place where you're at not a permanent dwelling because our permanent dwelling is in the presence of God but all too often we notice the things that are happening around us and we lose sight of the hope that's set in front of us in Christ Jesus but take heart if you're like me and and you waver and stagger back and forth and you try to stay in the center of God's will on your life, but you fall to this side or you fall to that side, he puts the next verse in there for us. Because Peter said, beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31. Verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore did thou doubt? Immediately. When Peter cried out for help that he was sinking, when he cried out for help that the storm was engulfing him, when he cried out for help because the darkness surrounded him, he cried out to Jesus and immediately Jesus stuck out his hand. See, I believe the scripture that says seek me and you'll find me is true because God has pulled me from some dark places. He's not saying that you're going to not go into dark places, but he's saying when you turn and you cry out to me and you start seeking me truly wholeheartedly with all your strength and desire immediately. He 
reaches out his hand to save Peter. And then he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt what just happened? You were doing so good you had it. Why did you doubt me? But see, I think Peter didn't doubt Jesus. I think Peter doubted himself. But we have to remember who we are. We are heirs of the kingdom of God with the saints, he said. That's who we are. We are a child of the one true king with Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We have the spirit of God inside of us. But sometimes we bottleneck it down. Sometimes we forget who we are because we're looking around at the whole picture when we just need to see God. See, that's what he told me when you're looking around at everything that's going on and and what do I do with my family and what do I do with my household and what do I do with the girls at work and, and what do I do with my job? He says, you don't need all of that mess. You need to see me and that's what you need to see. I'll take care of everything else. See, Peter had it at first. He was seeing Jesus and he stepped out of the boat in faith because he believed in Christ and he was walking on the water through the Spirit of God and then he forgot who he was and he started looking around and he forgot where he was going and started looking around and allowed the outside circumstances to affect who he was. Because see, Jesus didn't change In that respect, Jesus stayed the same. Jesus was still there calling Peter towards him. Peter's the one that changed. He lost his sight. He lost his Google map pinpoint. He got anchored out on a side road. As he's seen the darkness swelling and encumbering him. We have to remember, stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on God and what he has for you. And last but not least, stay focused on the hope. That is in Christ Jesus that's laid out before us. That's our goal. I want to be successful at work. And I want to raise good kids. And I want to have a great marriage. But all these things don't count for anything. If I don't have the love of Christ in my heart. If I'm not carrying the Spirit of God. They're temporal. They're temporal. In verse 32 it says, And when they came into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of truth, Thou art the Son of God. See, Jesus not only stretched forth His hand and pulled Peter out of the darkness that was surrounding Him, His very presence ceased the storms. He became the refuge of not only Peter, but the entire ship. See, as a man of the house, and as a spiritual authority in my household, whenever I seek Christ and invite His presence into my household, it protects the entire ship. God's Spirit in my house protects the entire ship. Ship. It doesn't matter if you're a child of the King and you have God's Spirit inside of you. Whoever you're around, they will feel the presence of God as you become a reflection of His light. But I hope as you came here this morning that your one desire 
was to seek God. I hope that your one desire was to be changed effectually by His Word. I pray that your one desire was to leave a different person than what you came, a sentence heights of the Spirit of God, a more focused direction, because that's what I prayed for all of you. That's what I prayed for myself. Because, see, I don't want to do church the way we used to do it, as we can walk in here any time that we want to. I want to attend a church service like it might be my last church service ever. I want to preach from behind the pulpit like this is the last sermon that I'm ever going to give. I want to talk about God in the way that you guys might be the last people that I talk about God to. And I want everybody that I talk about God to, to seek and desire His saving grace. Because this might be my last time. This might be your last time. But we have to stay focused. We have to come to church seeking God. Not who, what, when, or how, but God Himself. We're going to do the altar calling a little different today. Annika is going to play a song. If you would, please stand with me. If you need prayer this morning, just raise your hand and say where you are and I'll come pray with you. If God is pulling you to the altar, don't shy away from it. Come to the altar and pray, okay? Nothing supersedes the Spirit and the power of God. This sickness is not of God. We will prevail through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm excited today, guys. I want to do things differently. I want to do things more effectually. I want to do things through the Spirit of God and not of my own accord. And I want you guys to promise me that you'll do the same, that you won't just show up to church just to be at church, but that you'll show up to church seeking the true Spirit of God, that you might effectually be changed, that your family might be changed, that you have new direction and new hope in your life. See, we've been too long without this. And I get all stirred up, guys. I hope you guys get stirred up too. The Word of God is awesome and exciting. It provides hope and protection and guidance through all of these things. Jesus is walking towards you on the water through the storm. You have an opportunity today to step out into that water. If God is pulling you to something, know He's going to pull you through it. He's not going to pull you to it and abandon you. He's not going to get halfway through it with you and then leave you there. He's not going to take you to a situation without first giving you the tools to accomplish the job. Stay Christ-focused. Stay focused on the hope that lies ahead, not on the chaos that's the here and now church doesn't have to be like it's always been we can become a church that seeks and have a revival every sunday that cars might drive by on the streets and that they can feel the spirit of god as they drive by and say what is happening in that place because i just felt something awesome It's not unrealistic. It's not that it can't happen, but we have to bring the Spirit of God with us individually. Start preparing to bring the Spirit of God with you nights in advance, days in advance.
love you guys and I've missed you guys. We have been praying fervently for each and every one of you that the the spirit and the desire would grow inside of each of you. That we would be a different church today than we were back in February. That we would be a church that so desires God that nothing else matters. We have the opportunity to start anew today. If you need prayers, raise your hand. But if everybody would, please bow your head and close your eyes. Lord God, we are so thankful for this opportunity to gather, Lord, together in your name. Lord, I I pray that we become children desiring their father. God, it doesn't happen all at once. But God, train us, design us, mold us and shape us, Lord. That we wouldn't just read your word, Lord, but desire your presence. Lord, that we wouldn't say hollow prayers, but desire a relationship with you. God, that when we lift our hands in praise, God, that we are lifting your name on high because it's the only name that matters. Lord, that our inside is cleaner than our outside ever could be. Lord, I pray for the ones that don't know you, God, that you would put them in our path. God, that you would open our eyes to see you. Because, God, you're all that we really need to see. I pray that they would be the first thing that we think of in the morning. And the first conversation we have in the day. Lord, and wrapped up by the last thing that we think of at night. As we thank you for another wonderful church service, Lord. I pray for your guidance. Lord, I pray that I can see you more clearly than ever. God, that I would walk towards you. Lord, give us the strength to endure. Lord, give us a vision to see clearly and the love and compassion to forgive those around us. Lord, I pray that you be with everybody here today, Lord, and the ones that couldn't make it. Lord, that you would bless their week and their family. God, that this week would be a prosperous week for the kingdom of God. That as we set out tomorrow to go back to work and the things that we do, Lord, that your kingdom would be